We have all heard of the horror stories surrounding dating apps, yet thousands of people use them every day. If you are one of those people that actively use dating apps, you should remember a few key rules. Always go on a date in public. Always tell someone where you are going and who you are going with. And when to expect you to be home. And never go somewhere private with someone that you have never met before. Hey guys, and welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and it's great to talk to everybody again. Um, I know I was supposed to have something up yesterday. It was actually my birthday this week, and I got behind and then just decided to upload it today so that I could celebrate that with my family. So happy birthday to me. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. I know, better late than never, um, but we're here and we're ready to talk about a couple people, actually. Um, so before I literally lost everything, I had planned this month for it to be like a Valentine's kind of month where every week we talk about, you know, somebody, some people, a group of people, whatever, during Valentine's Day, like that committed crimes together. Obviously last week didn't really fit into that category because I had that finished um, early, earlier, but then I lost everything, so I just posted it. So today would be the first official episode of, like, our Valentine's Day special. So every Sunday or every week this month, we are posting a case that has two people who are the murderers or who are at fault. Um, this week, and honestly, it might be a two-parter because I have six pages of information on this um but if it you know we'll kind of play that by ear so if it seems like i still have a lot and we're near the end of you know how we usually do it then we'll do two parts if not it might just be a longer one part but we'll kind of play that by ear but this is about sydney loof now sydney is the victim she is the one who fell to the couple named Bailey Boswell and Aubrey Trail. And because, you know, we've got six pages to get through here, I'm not going to talk your ear off with anything else, and we're just going to move right in to today's episode. We're going to start with Sydney Loof. Now, Sydney was born on August 21st, 1993 in Nebraska. Her parents were named George Loof and Susie Loof. When she was alive, Sydney enjoyed fishing. She loved to play golf and basketball. Due to a medical condition, though, she did have to leave sports behind. It actually made playing the sports very painful for her. But even though she had to leave sports behind that she absolutely loved, she did not let this medical condition stop her from enjoying life as much as she could. She did also struggle with depression and anxiety every single day, and she was really trying her hardest to not let that get in the way either. But unfortunately, if you have ever struggled with either of those, you know that sometimes that gets hard. 
It's entirely possible that her depression and anxiety led her to be a little more careless with some of the decisions that we're going to talk about, but we really will never know. Sydney would go on to graduate in 2011, and once she graduated, she began to work at a local store. For a while, this job was a a pretty good distraction for her anxiety and depression, but it did begin to decline even more. Before the incident that we are going to talk about what happened, Sydney had reached out to friends and family for help. She was expressing how much she was struggling and she was ready to feel better. And what's even sadder is that Sydney had hit a point where she wanted help. She reached out and did all that hard work, and this, unfortunately, would be the last time that she would be seen by her loved ones. The last memory that her family will have of her is expressing how bad her mental health had gotten, and they loaded her up and drove her to the doctor to get a prescription for antidepressants because she was ready to start feeling better. Now let's talk about the deadly couple. Let's begin with Bailey Boswell, I think is how you say it. It's entirely possible that it's Boswell. I'm unsure. I'm I'm not going to lie to you guys. I struggled with their names quite a bit in this. Um, and I'm just going to be straight up. I switched them. So I thought Bailey was the male of the story and Aubrey was the female. It is the opposite way. So Bailey is the female and Aubrey is the male. So uh, the reason I want to tell you is because I did struggle with like keeping those straight and it's entirely possible that my struggle with this is because of my own like connections growing up. Um, I knew a male Bailey and I knew a female Aubrey and I think that's where I made the connection. But I want to let you guys know Bailey is the female, she's the woman and Aubrey is the male. So Bailey was raised in Iowa. And she was actually still in diapers when her own father would be murdered. Because of this, it probably hindered her mental growth a lot. Besides, you know, that very traumatic start to her life, she would grow up to be one of the fastest runners in her school. She enjoyed playing basketball and had actually gotten offered a college scholarship because of how well Bailey was at playing basketball. But during her high school year and after graduation, she would begin to use substances and she would go down a downhill spiral and never get to use that scholarship. Because of the substance abuse, she would be cited multiple times and this would officially make her unable to play sports or to act on that scholarship that she had earned. Then she got into an abusive relationship. This abusive relationship was noticed by her friends and family, but nothing helped her. Bailey would stay in this abusive relationship for a lot longer than she should have and endured being beat up while she was pregnant. She would be constantly mentally abused. He would say things like how she was a failure for moving on and restarting her life and that she had basically failed at her life, and he would also sexually abuse her. Now, this abusive relationship that she was in was not with Aubrey. She would meet Aubrey later down the road. 
Before we talk about their relationship, though, let's talk about Aubrey. Aubrey Trail had a much different childhood than Bailey did. His was more difficult in a different way than Bailey's. By the age of two, instead of losing his parent, at least one of them, like Bailey, he would be heavily abused by both of his parents. The authorities would remove him from the home and place him in the custody of his grandfather. Later down the line, for some reason or another, Aubrey decided to go back to his parents to give them a second chance, and once again, they abused him. I am unsure of how long he stayed with his parents at this time, but he did end up moving into a foster home and would move on from home to home and then move into facility after facility. Aubrey grew used to living in poverty and acting on petty crimes in order to get something that he needed. He would actually land himself in prison because he had attempted to rob someone with a weapon when he was only a teenager. Later down the line, Bailey would meet Aubrey and they would begin a relationship together. I'm unsure if this was an abusive relationship as well. Everything that I read didn't speak much about their relationship before Sydney, but it definitely spoke about their relationship after Sydney. Now, Sydney was single. She was an active user on Tinder. If you do not know what Tinder is, it is a dating website, basically. You post your first name, your age, a very brief bio of things that you're into, your interests, Um, and if somebody sees you and most of the time likes your photo, because that's the first thing that they see, they will swipe right on you. I'm going to give you a quick warning before we move on to exactly what happened. It can get a little bit confusing. I'm not going to lie to you, so... Just bear with me. I will try to explain it in the best way possible. So hopefully this isn't confusing. Sydney would be on Tinder, like I said. She would come across Bailey. She would swipe right on Bailey. Remember, Bailey's the female. And they would begin talking. You can't have a conversation with somebody on Tinder unless you swipe right on them. And they also swipe right on you. In their conversations, they did decide to go on a date on November 14th, 2017. Now, here is where things are a little confusing. Sydney swiped right on Bailey, the girlfriend. But I do not know if Sydney knew that Bailey was female or was the girlfriend. Because Bailey was using the name Aubrey on her Tinder. Does that make sense? So she swiped right on Bailey, but it was under the name Aubrey. So I don't know if that Tinder was Aubrey's Tinder, the males, the boyfriends, and Bailey was using it, or if Sydney even knew that she was speaking to a female and not to Aubrey, the male that she swiped right on. Does that make sense? Before this date would happen, Sydney would ask Bailey if they were going to be the only two on the date on multiple occasions, which kind of leads me to believe that Sydney at least knew that either Aubrey, who she thought she was talking to, or Bailey, who she was actually talking to, had a significant other. It's possible that Sydney knew that, you know, maybe they were looking for a third or something like that. 
because I do feel like for her to ask if it was just them is pretty important that Sydney knew that there was at least somebody else involved. Um, Bailey, who was talking to Sydney, would reassure her over and over and over that yes, it was just going to be the two of them. This date was located in the basement of the home that Aubrey and Bailey were staying in. The couple was not renting the entire house. They were only renting the basement of the home. And the very, very first date that Sydney was going on with them, or one of them, was the basement of a home. Sydney would go to that home and have a first date there. It went well. I do think that Sydney probably knew Bailey was a female. I know some people that have like gotten on there and used their like sister's Tinder, which I think is very interesting. And it is also possible that Bailey set the entire thing up and then Aubrey went on this date and she was under the impression that she was talking to him the whole time. Like I said, it's very, very weird. It's a very weird situation. But after this first date and everything went well, they decided that they were going to go on a second date a couple days later. On November 15th, 2017, before Sydney would head out to her second date, she would post a photo on her Snapchat that was about her date and head out to meet Aubrey. This second date was also located in the basement of that home, just like the first date. Now it's, I can see why maybe she would go back. The first date went really well and whatever, but it's weird to me that somebody would meet up with a stranger in a basement. Like, I've never dated on dating apps, and I never intend to. If you're going to date online, you should always tell somebody where you're going, who you're meeting. You should try to send pictures of that person. You should never, ever, ever go somewhere private unless you, like, know, know these people. I do not understand why people meet strangers in private places. And I do know that I have a friend that recently, like, went on a drive with somebody she met on Tinder, And that was still a little bit in the, you know, weird valley for me because it was more of a private place. Um, The difference, though, is I, she sent me screenshots of him, the times, where they were going. I had her location. She was basically Snapchatting me, not the entire time, but whenever they had downtime. Um, She called me when she was done. Like, if something would have happened, I knew exactly who she was with. I knew what car she was in. I knew... All of this. Whereas Sydney didn't say anything other than that she was going on a date. Anyways, Sydney would head out for her second date with Aubrey, and cell phone towers prove that she had made it to the home. But then at 8:32 p.m. that night, her cell phone shut off. It was only a day later when Sydney would fail to show up for work, that the first red flags would begin to wave. Her manager would attempt to get a hold of her, and because he was unable to reach her, would reach out to her mother instead and let her mother know that Sydney no called, no showed. This was not like Sydney. Her mother attempted to get a hold of her as well, and her mother also did not know that Sydney had a date the night before. When she failed to respond to her mother, 
she went straight to the police. For some reason, it took the authorities one full day to perform a wellness check on Sydney, which I don't understand. Um, a wellness check would be performed at her house. If you don't know what that is, that's basically when the police go to check up on somebody. During a wellness check, they're basically granted any and all power to make sure somebody is okay. That means if somebody were to call um, a wellness check on like, you know, your mom or something, the authorities are allowed to break and enter into that home to make sure your mother is okay. Whereas if, you know, they knock and she comes out, they don't need to do that. They would go out to her home and perform this wellness check. She would not answer the door and she was very clearly not home. Because of this and because they were able to let themselves into her home to perform this wellness check, they did look at her personal belongings a little bit more. Her home did not look like it had been broken into. The vehicle that was parked there looked just fine and they even noticed that her glasses and her purse were both there. Sydney was the only thing that was not there. One other thing that they noted that was very, very strange was that Sydney's cat had not been fed, which was very unusual for her. Because they failed to track down Sydney on this wellness check, and because of all of the weird things, her car was there, her glasses, her you know, purse, her cat had not been fed. She was basically just gone. They decided to classify her as a missing person and did everything that they could to figure out where Sydney had gone. One of Sydney's friends knew that she had a date that night with somebody that she had met on Tinder. She decided to create a Tinder herself and began to swipe until she found that person. As far as I know, this friend probably knew the name, at least the first name of the person, and it's likely they knew what Aubrey looked like and maybe just didn't have their photo yet. She would only swipe a couple of times before stumbling across the profile under Aubrey's name. They both swiped right, meaning that they matched. This friend decided to go one step further, and they began a conversation. She literally began to talk to the person that she believed was responsible for the disappearance of her friend. That, to me, is like... That's how you know you got a good friend, you guys. If she's going to make a Tinder... Find the person she thinks is responsible and then talk to them like, yes, that's, that's a good friend. You want people like that in your corner. She would talk and probably flirt on and off with Aubrey until Aubrey would send their phone number over to her. At this point, she decided to go to the authorities with the information that she had. She happily handed this over and the authorities happily accepted it. Now, it is entirely possible that this friend saved the authorities a ton of time by potentially putting themselves at risk. Because within two days, just off of that Tinder profile and that phone number, they had everything they needed. 
They had, of course, their phone number. They had whose phone number it was. They had the home address that the two of them lived at, knowing that they were renting out the basement. And when they pulled cell phone tower pings, they proved that Sydney had been there the night that she was last seen alive and her phone had been shut off and never turned back on. At this point, it was time to pay the couple a visit. This visit, because everything they had was technically not like proof-proof, was just a wellness check. At this point, they were pretty sure Sydney had fallen to foul play. They did not think Sydney was just gone and had just like run away. But because they could not prove that Sydney was dead or somebody was holding her hostage or anything, they could not technically arrest Bailey and Aubrey. So this was just a wellness check. The authorities would arrive and knock on the door of the basement, knowing that the two lived down there and neither of them would answer the door. Because it was a wellness check, they could enter onto their property. And because they lived in someone's basement, that made getting into the basement much easier. All they had to do was contact the homeowners who handed the key over to let them in. As soon as they opened the door, the first thing that smacked the authorities in the face was the overbearing smell of bleach which was suspicious. Now, they cannot use the smell of bleach as a reasonable cause to search the apartment. In order to actively search through everything, they needed to get a search warrant, which was not hard to get. They literally had so much, you know, soft proof, I guess you would call it, that Sydney had been there and that was the last known place that she was, that they happily handed over a search warrant. The next day, the authorities would return with a search warrant in their hand and begin to look as hard as they could. Nothing had changed in the basement in a day. There was still that overbearing smell of bleach and really nothing had moved. They knew that Sydney was there the night she went missing. But they could not find anything to prove Bailey and Aubrey were responsible. During this whole time, the family that lived upstairs would begin to complain and even get sick from the smell of bleach. So much so that they began throwing up and one of them even got hives from the fumes from the bleach. They also noted, and so did authorities, that the air conditioner in the basement was running 24-7, which should not have been running in November. And that's where I'm leaving today's episode. I do have quite a bit more to work through with you guys on this whole story, so... I'm going to leave you basically where the authorities were left until they tracked down Bailey and Aubrey. I'll talk to you all next week. 
There may be false or misleading information throughout this podcast. All facts have been researched to the best of my abilities, but accidents do happen. If this is a story you are interested in knowing more about, I highly recommend doing your own research. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.